0: to extend a heartfelt welcome to you so happy to have you here I have a few announcements for us today Um, if you have not already downloaded our ignite church app I would love for you to do so now Uh, it's got loads of different resources for you and your kids as well Um, it will really just help round out your experience today for our virtual church and also along the, the lines of the app, if you are somebody that considers Ignite Church your home, uh, just wanna remind you too that you can give on our app as well. Um, so, I saved the best announcement for last. We are super excited about this, guys. So next Sunday, June 21st, we will start meeting together again in person. woo We're so excited for this. Um, It's gonna look a little bit differently than than what it was before when we were meeting, but it's gonna be great. We're still gonna meet at 10 o'clock here on Sundays, but we're gonna be meeting outside instead of inside. Um, We will not have any childcare, so your kiddos will have to stay with you, but we will have um, some activities at tables along the edges as well. Um, You will need to bring your own chair or uh, blanket to uh, sit down on the ground with, and if you are a coffee drinker, like you know pretty much all of us um, we will not be serving any coffee or uh, refreshments at this time so you'll have to bring that as well um, we recommend wearing a mask um, I am sure that I am forgetting a few more details as well but we will have a post on Facebook um, this afternoon too that will have all the details um, written out for you so uh, you'll know what to expect um, but yeah so next Sunday the 21st 10 o'clock we are meeting here, so woohoo! And and I also want to say too, if you are somebody um, that doesn't feel comfortable um, with with meeting in person yet, that is totally okay. Like it's totally fine. We will still be uh, doing our live stream service as well, so you can enjoy our service still from home. And whenever you are feeling. Um, comfortable and able to, um, you can join us. But please don't feel pressured at all. We're obligated to come meet in person. But we are super excited that we um, are able to take this next step um, in doing so. So yes, Uh, like I said, Facebook post, you'll see all the other details that I may have missed, probably missed, um, and the details that I just um, said as well. So yay, 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 we've missed you guys so much. I miss every single one of you guys. Um, so, yeah, let's get into this space of worship now um, and just worship our awesome, awesome God. It's going to be a great day. Let's get to it. Good morning, Ignite. So happy to be with
1: you this Sunday morning. We're going to kind of take things a little bit slower today. We're going to start with a slower song. And yeah, God is good. And We're just excited to praise him with you today. Here we go.
2: great Amen.
1: open hearts and ears to hear your voice today. Father, that you would speak to us. Father, that we would move on your behalf. Father, that the spirit that is living within us because of Jesus is not there in vain, Father God, that it is there. Are undeserving of that spirit. You gave it to us. Help us to do it justice. Help us to live out your word daily. To not become stagnant in our faith. To not be sitting on the couch For you, Lord, open our hearts today. We surrender it before your throne. The whole week, God, no matter how it's gone, we surrender it. Whether it was good, bad, ugly, we lay it at your feet. All this we pray in your precious and holy name. Amen.
3: All right, good morning, Ignite Church. So glad to be together again for week number three of a series we're doing here at Ignite on the book of Nehemiah called Difference Makers. And throughout this series, we've been reminded that God uses ordinary people, people like you and people like me, ordinary Christ followers, to make a difference for his kingdom in this world. He did it through an ordinary guy by the name of Nehemiah, whose book we are studying, and he wants to use you and use me too to make a difference in our worlds. Two weeks ago, we sort of kicked off the series by looking at Nehemiah chapter 1, and we learned some of the origin story of, the, of this book, right? We learned that Jerusalem had, had been completely obliterated. Jerusalem was in shambles. The, the wall around the city and the temple uh, the, the people worshipped in were in rubble, and the gates had been burned with fire. We, we talked about the fact that there was no safety or no security for the people of God, that they were living in disgrace and in shame. There was... It, it, Jerusalem was referred to as the city of God and so in some ways they felt as though God had abandoned them. And then we looked at how Nehemiah responded in, in, in that kind of situation and talked about, actually, this is the way we are to respond too if we are to be difference makers. And we said, first of all, he sat down and he wept, we talked about. Right? He sat down and he wept. He allowed himself to feel the pain and kind of let that simmer in him, this, this sense of injustice like, this is not right. Something needs to be done. And then we said, he bowed down and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. Some more, right? Day and night he prayed Uh, for days and for weeks, even for months. He prayed and sought the Lord, and then he got up and he took action. And we talked about how you and I can do the same. Last week, I think Ryan did a fabulous job of unpacking the first part of Nehemiah chapter 2. And he talked about the fact that difference, as difference makers, we need to be patient and courageous, relentless in prayer, and diligent in planning and executing what God has laid on our hearts to do. And then he ended by saying, uh, and just reminding us that it is not by our, not our might. It is not because we are good enough and strong enough, us, but it's because of God's gracious hand that is on us that, that he uses us to make a difference in this world Love that. Well, today we're going to continue with Nehemiah chapter 2, taking the next chunk from chapter, uh, from verse 9 through verse 20. And I want to talk about going public and taking action on the vision that God has put inside of you. But first, I just want to stop and just say, what is the vision that God has put inside of you? What is it that God might be nudging you to do? Because it's really easy for us to go through a series like this, to read through a, a part of the Bible like Nehemiah, to listen to a sermon series and just sort of sit back in our chairs and kind of nod our heads and go, mm-hmm, that's good, that's good. And, but never it, it's easy for us to kind of keep that stuff out of there but never really allow it to penetrate and never stop or slow down enough to say, what is it? That God is asking me to do what is it that I have a burden to do and so I want us to be practical because we really believe that God has specific plans for you and for me for each one of us he has a purpose for you something that is burning inside of you and today I want to talk about going public with that Because here's the thing, I think all of us have an area in our lives in which we want to see change, in in, in which we want to experience transformation, in which we want to move forward to see a particular vision become a reality. It could be a ministry vision or a dream, but it could also just be a personal kind of vision or dream, something for you, something for your family or for your neighborhood or your workplace or whatever. It could be all kinds of things. It could be that there's a particular addiction in your life and more than anything, you just want to be free of cigarettes or alcohol or weed or opioids or whatever. It's impacting your health and your relationships and your life and you just want to be free. It's your dream, but you're kind of keeping it a secret right now because you're afraid to go public with it. It could be that you're drowning in debt these days. You got credit card debt up the wazoo or you got student loans that are crippling you or whatever and more than anything else you just want to be free of that debt but you're afraid to go public because you're not sure if you actually want to do the work it requires to actually be free but you just can't shake the sense that man I really want to see something happen there. It could be marriage or a relationship related. Maybe you grew up seeing uh, a crappy marriage with your folks. Maybe you saw your parents get divorced and go through horrible things. And you don't want to have marriage problems like that. You don't want to have a crappy marriage like that. You don't want to have that impact your family like that. But you're afraid to actually speak it out. You're afraid because you're not sure if you want to do the work required to actually have a great relationship Maybe you feel like God's calling you to be more intentional in discipling your kids or reading the Bible with your kids or or maybe even making disciples amongst other people, men or women or friends or whatever, but you're afraid to go on record that way. Maybe God's been bugging you about taking initiative and doing something about injustice that you see around you. Maybe he's calling you to make a difference with racism or human trafficking or poverty amongst kids or something. Maybe you're passionate about men's ministry or or education or single moms or who knows what. And God is calling you to make a difference, but you're afraid to go on record. You're afraid to step up. You're afraid to go public. I remember the last year or so that Tina and I and our family were up in Wisconsin. I was serving at the church we started there. We, We loved it there. There was lots of great people, lots of great stuff there. And God started calling us, Tina and I, to leave that church, to move down to Peoria and start another church that would be diligent in helping start uh, scores more churches and campuses around the region. And at first, I have to say, when the vision and the dream started coming to us and God started speaking, it was kind of fun to entertain. It was fun to, to dream about and think of, oh, yeah, the plans that God might have for us. In fact, so much so, we, we arranged to take some trips down to Peoria and check some things out. We, we met with some people and, uh, and and started having some initial conversations. Again, it was fun at that stage. But, but I have to say, when it came time for us to go public, we hesitated a little bit. It, it scared us. A little bit because as long as it's just in your mind it's safe and easy and it's perfect right it's perfect when it's just a dream it's perfect when it's in your mind it's easy there but once you start sharing it once the words come out of your mouth stuff starts getting real real quick changes have to be made fears get exposed i mean it's one thing to dream about it it's another to have to tell your kids that you're moving them away from the only life they've ever known it's different when you have to tell the leaders of your church, and, you're, and you start realizing that your paychecks will run out in three months. It gets real when you have to speak it out and put your house on the market. Things begin to change. I think sometimes we're hesitant to go public with the plans and the purposes that God has put in our hearts because we're maybe we're afraid to pay the price. Right? I mean, the idea. Of getting out of debt for example is pretty much favorable to anybody hey who here wants to be debt free I think all of us would raise our hands wouldn't that be awesome but actually doing the work disciplining yourself and saying no to so many things so that you can be out of it to accomplish that vision that's hard makes us afraid to say it out loud but here's the thing, friends. Until we step out, until we identify and speak and commit to that vision, it will never become reality. If we're unwilling to go public with those commitments, we will never be debt-free. We will never find freedom from addiction and on and on and on. The first step, right, even in recovery ministry, the first step is to admit it. Right? The first step is to speak it out loud, to go public with it. I'm an alcoholic and I want to live a life of sobriety. you got to go public. If you're unwilling to go public with that vision, with that commitment, things will not change If we're unwilling to go public, we'll never have a better marriage. We'll never disciple our kids. We won't grow as disciples or as leaders ourselves. There comes a point in which you and I have to be real courageous, like Ryan talked about last week, and sort of speak it out and go public with what it is that God is prompting you to do. And what it is that he has placed on your heart. So again, as we start out, I just want to ask, what is it for you? What is it that God is putting on your heart these days? What is the dream or the vision or the goal that you need to go public with? Before we're done today... I really want you to write that down. I want you to identify it specifically and write it down. Some of us have things that that pop right up in our minds and we know exactly what it is. But for others of us, it might take a little bit of quiet, a little reflection, even a little prayer, just asking, God, God, what is it that you're speaking? What's an area of my life or an area that you're calling me to change, that you're calling me to to a a new level? Well, Nehemiah chapter 2 is all about going public with that vision. Last week, Ryan read the story and reminded us about Nehemiah who started to share his vision with King Artaxerxes and asked for the king to provide him safe passage and to provide him soldiers, a leave of absence, and even supplies needed for him to go to Jerusalem and rebuild the wall. I mean, in a jaw-dropping move, the king went along with his plan. God was clearly at work. But now Nehemiah travels to Jerusalem And he has to go public with the vision to the rest of the world. And that's where we'll pick up the story. We're going to start Nehemiah 2, starting with verse 9. You can follow along on the Ignite Church app under the message notes section or in your Bibles. Let's open them up. Nehemiah chapter 2, starting with verse 9, says this. So I, Nehemiah, went to the governors of the trans Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah, the Ammonite officials, heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Let me just stop for just a second and say, man, one of the challenges of going public with your vision or with your goal is that there is always a Sanballat and Tobiah. Ready to tell you that it won't work. Ready to express concern over the plan. Ready to tell you that there are too many challenges, too many reasons why your vision will never come to reality. I mean, he hasn't even told anybody yet. He just shows up, and these people are scared of change. They are trying to intimidate and and discourage and whatever. Keep this vision from becoming reality. Let's keep going. Verse 11, Uh, he says this. Then I went to Jerusalem. And after staying there for three days, again interesting, for three days, he rests. It's not a rash decision. For three days, he thinks through, he examines, he kind of checks things out. It's a thoughtful, not a rash decision. Verse 12 I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding. By night, I went through the valley gate towards the Jekyll Well and the Dung Gate, which has to be quite the location, examining the walls of Jerusalem, uh, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Verse 14, Then I moved on towards the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through, so I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, uh, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate, The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as of yet, I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Verse 17 says this, then I said to them, you see the troubles we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I told them about the gracious hand of my God on me, and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start building. And so they began this good work. No more. Verse 19. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite officials and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing? They asked. Are you rebelling against the king? And i answered them by saying the god of heaven will give us success we his servants will start rebuilding but as for you you have no share in jerusalem nor any claim or historic right to it boom all right here's what i want us to do i want us to, just to, to, to kind of look through that story one more time and i want you to notice the progression here because this is the same progression that we take if we wanna see change and success as we move forward and go public with what it is that God has put on our hearts, no matter if it's private or personal kinda stuff or family stuff or ministry stuff or whatever. It's the same kind of progression. The first first thing is this, I just wanna look at it. The first thing he does, he shows up and the the very first thing he does is seemingly nothing, right? At least that's how it appears. He doesn't rush in. He doesn't just start doing. He doesn't pick up rocks and start rebuilding the wall. He observes. He gathers data. He sees for himself. He lets that holy discontent we talked about a couple weeks ago inside of him sort of grow as he walks around the city wall. And he starts defining reality. How bad is it? Right? How much work needs to be done? Where are the weakest spots? Where are the spots that uh, opposing troops can come in and try and easily get over the wall? What is the reality? Not, not looking at the hype, not listening to fear, but what is really going on? The first thing that needs to happen with any of us before we come up with a plan, before we jump into action, is to define reality. If we want to experience change and experience growth in our lives, if we want to see the visions and dreams that God has put inside of us become reality, then we've got to be willing to take a long, sometimes a hard or painful look at reality. To use this example again, if we want to be debt free, then the first step is probably to take a long and painful look at the state of our finances. If you've ever been through a Dave Ramsey course, he teaches us to list, one of the first things, to list all of your debts in the order of the amount. Right? Most of the time, we don't even know how much we owe. We don't know what the state of our finances is. We don't know where our money is going. And so how can we make a plan? How can we move forward? How can we become debt-free? if We don't even know how we're spending our money. And so one of the first things is to find out How much are we spending? Where's our money going? How much debt do we really have? It's defining reality. Are we spending more than we make? Are we spending $500 a month eating out when we can't pay our power bill? Those are kinds of things that you have to identify if you want to get out of it. Take a long, hard look at reality. If you want to have a thriving marriage, you need to take a good, hard look at the current state of your marriage. Where are you really? Now, typically, if you ask husbands, for instance, how their marriage is, they'll always rate their marriage significantly higher than their wives. It's not really based on reality. We're just like, hey, man, it's great. Everything's going well. But I'm not talking about that kind of evaluation. I'm, I'm talking about slowing down, taking your time and saying, man, how are we doing our marriage? How's our communication these days? How's our level of conflict and how we interact and how we deal with conflict? Do we see that through to resolution so that we can be done with it, right, and move on? Or how about this? Do we have fun together, right? Is is, is there stuff we're doing to actually build up our spouses? How are you investing in your marriage? Are you praying together? Are you reading God's word together? Are you growing spiritually closer to God together? I mean, before you know what you need to do, you have to define reality. One more, if you feel called to make a difference in the area of human trafficking in Peoria, for instance, then you start by finding out the answers to some some questions, right? You define reality. How big of an issue is human trafficking here in Peoria? You might ask the question like, where Does human trafficking happen here? What other ministries or organizations are in our area that are involved in helping those who are stuck in human trafficking? And you might start asking and looking for what are the gaps or what are the areas that are missing? What are the needs that need to get met that aren't being met by any other ministries or organizations? You start by defining reality. How big is the issue? What are the issues involved What's the process like for somebody to to walk out of that kind of slavery, so to speak, into freedom? For it's reality is our friend, but so often we'd rather ignore it or pretend that things are fine rather than actually taking a good hard look. I mean, sometimes uh, it kind of depends. We can kind of do one extreme or the other. Either we can get so focused on defining reality that we never move to action. It's sort of like in the ready, aim, fire sort of analogy. It's sort of like ready, aim, 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 aim. aim. Sometimes we get stuck in the study and in the in the data and all that kind of stuff and we never move forward that's not what we're talking about here and likewise nor are we talking about irresponsible kind of stuff on the other hand we're sort of like ready fire aim right we just we're just taking action but we have no idea if it's if it's needed if it's on purpose or not that's not what we're talking about we're talking about careful planning ready aim and then fire and then take action reality is our friend But the first step that we kind of take as we're going public, as we're taking steps, moving forward with the vision and with the goals of the things that God has placed on our hearts, the areas of change, is we define reality. We take a good, hard look at where are things now and where do they need to be? And then you can start putting together a plan and looking at how we can rebuild. Second thing... uh, Next, he shares the vision, right? I've already kind of talked about this, but next, Nehemiah shares the vision with the people. He says, you see what trouble we're in. You know, Jerusalem is in ruins. We're, we're living in disgrace, he says. And then he shares with them how God had provided uh, all the supplies that they needed and the help that the king had given him. And then he says, let's start rebuilding the wall. Let's start rebuilding the city. The vision, Nehemiah says, is I want us to rebuild the wall. I want to make Jerusalem great again. Build that wall. For some of you, I just ruined the whole book of Nehemiah. I'm sorry. It's way better than that. It's not Nehemiah 2020 or something. This is not what we're talking about. The vision is to rebuild a wall and to sort of make a home again for the people of God where they can come and gather and be safe and worship him. But Nehemiah goes on record and he proclaims to others, this is what God is calling me to do. And he invites others to come along. Like I said earlier, this is absolutely key. If you want to move forward, right? If we want to move forward, there has to come a time when we go public and we share the vision. We share the goal. It will not become a reality until we do so. Third real quick here. He says, he recruits help. And I love this one. He starts saying, let us rebuild the wall. He's saying to the crowd, right? So that we will no longer be in disgrace. Let us start rebuilding. And so they began rebuilding the wall. Nehemiah gets help. You know how long it would have taken Nehemiah to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem by himself? It would have taken forever. It probably would have never happened. And so he recruits others to come alongside and to help pretty much any goal, pretty much any vision, no matter what it is that God has put on your heart to do. If you want to be successful, if you want to move forward, you will likely have to recruit some help. Not to use this one to death, but again, if you want to get out of debt and you're married, chances are you're going to need help from your spouse. You're going to need to have them buy into the vision, or you want to know what's going to happen? Nothing, right? Otherwise, you're going to say, I want us to get out of debt. And your wife or your husband is going to say, that's great. Let me know how that works out for you. And then they're going to go shopping, right? Or They're going to go buy a new car, or they're going to go get a new TV or whatever, It won't happen on your own. That's why AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, is built around relationships, sponsors, groups of people, because we need one another. There's the uh, uh, old uh, college basketball coach, John Wooden, that used to say, the man who puts the ball through the hoop has 10 hands. (laughs) I like that. What does he mean? He means we are dependent on one another. It takes a team to win. It's estimated, I read this week, this is great. that took 218,000 people to put Neil Armstrong on the moon, 218,000 people, no matter what it is that God has put on your heart to accomplish, it will definitely involve going public and then getting help from others, inviting others to come alongside you, sometimes for accountability, sometimes for encouragement, sometimes to actually serve and labor alongside you, whatever it is we need one another. So he recruits help, and so do we. Fourth one is that he ignores opposition. Oh, man. Sanballat, Tobiah again, right? They sandwiched this passage. They were disturbed at the beginning when Nehemiah shows up. They were fearful of what this change would mean for them, fearful of that they were going to lose something. And now at the end of the passage, they are mocking and ridiculing Nehemiah and company, right, as they begin to rebuild the wall. And in all honesty, friends, listen to this. Every time, every time you and I step up, every time we start changing, every, t- every time we start pursuing a God-given vision for our lives, there will be a sandball at Toba. They will be there, ready to tell you that you are not up for the challenge. They will be there to tell you that you're an idiot for even trying. That you should just keep everything the same. Just keep the status quo. They'll point out all of your weaknesses, all of your fears, and claim them as true. And it's easy. Let's be honest. It's just easy to get discouraged, to quit building, to quit moving forward in the midst of that kind of discouragement, in in the midst of that kind of opposition. It's easy to move your eyes off of the vision that God has called you to and just sort of lower your eyes down and turn back home. But friends, you cannot, I cannot get discouraged by opposition. When you come from a family of alcoholics, for instance, and you go on record that you want to walk in sobriety, let me just tell you, you know this, right? There you will get some pushback. You will get some criticism. That's just part of the gig. When you're the first one in your family to become a Christ follower, you say, I'm living full on for Jesus. You will get some pushback. I guarantee it. When you start walking the path that leads towards financial freedom, leading you out of debt, your family and friends likely will think you are completely nuts. When you start working with kids in an inner city school, people will gladly tell you that there's no way you can really fix the the problem. The problems are just too big and you are just too small. There's a whole poverty cycle. There's a whole systemic issue. It's way bigger than anything you could ever do. Why even try? Every step of the way as as we step out and we try to follow God into what he wants to do in our lives and the ways he wants to bring his kingdom to this world, every step of the way there will be A voice behind you a critic behind you saying you can't do this why even try for about the first decade or so of of, uh, my ministry experience and leadership experience I had this quote uh, on my desk and then it was eventually taped to my bookshelf right by the side of my desk reminding me not to give in to the critics It's from Teddy Roosevelt's famous you guys have probably heard it before but it goes like this it says it's not the critic who counts not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doers of deeds could have done them better, no. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who, who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasm and great devotion, Who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place will never be with those who are cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. It's not the critic who counts, right? It's the one who's actually following and pursuing those God-given dreams. Isn't that great? There will always be critics, friends. And the Bible reminds us as well that our battle inevitably is not against the critics, but our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of evil. In other words, when all is said and done, there is an enemy of your soul who is trying to discourage you and keep you from pursuing kingdom dreams and kingdom goals in your life. When you are trying to break free from addiction, he is trying to keep you enslaved. When you are trying to make a difference, he is there to criticize and play into your fears and tell you that it can't be done. But I want you to listen to this because because of Jesus, you and I can stand even in the midst of criticism, even in the midst of opposition. Ephesians 6 tells us that we can stand and put on the full armor of God so that we can stand with him, so that we can stand firm, he says, with God's word and God's promises. Stand firm, he says, in your salvation, in the new life that Jesus has purchased for you in the gracious hand of your God, right? Stand firm. He is the undefeated champ, and with him all things are possible. If God has brought you to Do it, God will see you through it, right? You cannot fail. Do not shrink back. Do not be discouraged. Do not get sidetracked by the critic or by the enemy. Keep moving forward. That leads us to the fifth one. The fifth and last one we're going to look at today is that he moves to action. Nehemiah, even in the face of criticism, he moves towards action confident that God will do it, right? But it, God will make this thing happen. I love how this ends. So, I mean, he's being mocked. He's being ridiculed for following God's dream. And this is Nehemiah's response. The God of heaven will give us success, period, right? Boom. We, his servants, we will start building. We're going to follow God. We are going to step out and do what he has put on our hearts to do. We're going to go public. We are going to put it into practice. We are not going to just stop with mere words. We're not going to just stop with a mere vision. But we're going to actually move this thing forward. And as we follow God, as we step out in faith, He will do it. So let me come back, if I can, come back to this question again. The same question I started with today. And just say, what is it that God is putting on your heart these days? What dream or vision or goal is it that you need to go public with? I mean, so many of us have stuff that the Lord, I think, has been speaking to us about. But we're afraid to actually say it out loud. We're afraid to move forward. We're afraid to go public. Maybe today God is calling you to step into the life of a difference maker and go on record and share that vision or goal or plan with somebody else. Do it today, friends. Don't let the sun go down before you share it with your spouse or with your significant other or with your friend or with me or with somebody else in the church, your group leader or whatever. Would you go on record and say, you know what? I think God is leading me towards, and then share it. If you're not sure yet what it is that God is putting on your heart, can I just say today, before the sun goes down, maybe you just need to stop and just go get someplace quiet. Get down on your knees and just start asking and say, God, what is it that you have for me? What is it that that you want me to do? Is there there a vision? Is there a plan? Is there a goal you have for me or that you have for my family or you have for a ministry? Uh, that I'm a part of or the church I'm a part of or whatever. What is it that you're asking of me? And then just be quiet. Be still. And listen as God speaks and directs and brings to mind things that need to change in our lives and in our world. Maybe today you need to share with somebody and ask for help. Invite them to partner with you. Invite them to help you be accountable. Invite them to help you realize that goal. Friends, we need each other. Maybe today God's prompting you and saying, share it with somebody else. For some of us, this is hard because we... We're a little prideful, right? We don't like to ask for help. We're, we're happy to help somebody else, but when it comes to us having to say, you know what, I need your help, that's a hard thing for us, but friends it ought not to be, because we all need one another. So maybe today God's nudging you and saying, it's time to take action. Maybe you have started down this path, you started making a change in your life. You started pursuing a goal or a vision that God's given you. And you feel like you've got the smackdown put on you. You you feel discouraged by the critics or, or, I don't know, discouraged by the enemy. And maybe today God is prompting you and saying, it's time to get back up. Don't just listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to them. The God of heaven will give you success. It is time to start rebuilding again. It's time to start rebuilding your life. It's time to start rebuilding your marriage. It's time to start rebuilding your family. It's time to start rebuilding a ministry opportunity that God has put before you. It's time to rebuild. Maybe you're in the real early stages and you're sort of recognizing this, this thing that's bubbling up inside of this passion area, something that you just can't see. That you just are like, man, this needs to be different. Maybe you're recognizing God putting a finger on something that needs to change, but you're in the real early stages. And maybe before you come up with a plan, before you charge into action, maybe today God is saying, you know what? You might want to just hit the pause button for one second and define reality. Where are you really? What's really happening in this area of your life or in this area of your marriage or this area of your relationship or this area of ministry, this area of passion? What is happening? And Do a little bit of research. I'm not talking about ready, aim, 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 and never getting to action, but I am saying make sure there's an aim in there, right? Ready, aim, and then fire. Maybe God's saying, would would you slow down? Nehemiah waited for several days, right? In fact, the, the, the part before this we talked about two weeks ago, he waited for four months. He prayed. He prayed and he planned and he prayed and he planned and he prayed and he, prayed and he planned for four months and then, which is, by the way, a long time, right? 120 days or more. He, he prayed for four months before he went to the king and then when he arrives, it takes only, uh, it, it takes less than two months for the entire project. Because he was ready. So maybe you need to get ready and do a little uh, a little planning, a little evaluating of the truth to uh, find reality. Truth is your friend. Maybe you're new to this whole Jesus thing. And today, maybe God is nudging you and saying, you know what? Your goal needs to just be getting to know jesus this is not this whole thing that we're talking about being a difference maker it's not something we do on our own it is empowered by the holy spirit it is started the moment that we yield our lives to jesus and cry out i need you that's when that's when our lives change that's when god starts working in amazing ways that's when we are filled with his power from on high Right? It's, where, it's where we are given purpose and we are given spiritual gifts to equip us for what it is that God is asking us to do. So if you have never done that before, maybe today God is just saying just to quiet and still your heart and soul and maybe just, evaluate where are you with the Lord this morning? If the reality is you feel far from God, then that's where you need to start rebuilding. Maybe today, before we're done, Maybe you just need to turn in your own heart to the Lord to say, Jesus, I need you. Would you come and forgive me? Lord, I have made a wreck of my life. My life is lying in ruins. The gates burned by fire. There's not two stones sitting on top of each other. It's wrecked. Would you forgive me? And God, would you come and start rebuilding my life because of Jesus? Would you come and lead me? Would you be my Savior to forgive me for my past? Would you be my God to lead me forward and with your help I want to follow you. I need you. Friends, no matter what the step is that God is asking you to take today, no matter what the goal or the vision is that God has put inside of you or is burning inside of you these days, would you share it, right? Would you go public with it? Would you enlist help and get some people around you? Don't get discouraged by critics but keep moving forward, move towards action, confident in God and submitted to his will with him and in him. As you and I do this, friends, God will use us to become difference makers in our world. Let's close in prayer. God, how we need you uh, this morning. We just come and we set our eyes and our gaze and our hearts on you and we just cry out, Lord, we need you. I thank you that you are strong in our weakness, that you use ordinary people like us, that you infuse us and empower us with your power from on high through your spirit, and that you have plans and purposes for us to use us for your kingdom, to use us for your visions and your plans and your purposes. So we open our hands and hearts and surrender to you. And we just say, come, Lord Jesus, come and have your way. Lord, for those of us that feel like we don't know what it is that, that, that you're pointing out in our lives, I pray that you'd quiet us today and that you would speak. you put a finger on an area that needs to change or something that you're calling us to. I pray, God, for those of us that are afraid that you give us courage to not only say it out loud and to, to go to go public with what you've put on our hearts, but also to gather some friends and some people around us to do life with. He gives courage and boldness to step out and follow where you need. Father, for those of us that maybe just feel distant from you today, where we just open our hearts and just say, come Lord Jesus, we need you. Would you come and rebuild our lives? Come and rebuild our marriages? Come and rebuild our homes? Our relationships, and eventually, God, would you come and rebuild our world as we follow you, as we live out the things that you have put on our hearts? Would you use us to see your kingdom come and your will be done for your glory, God, and for our good and the good of the world? We pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right,
1: right. we're going to invite you back into worship with us for one last song so excited we get to be with you today and get to worship our king jesus and you know what he is unstoppable so we're going to praise him for that
2: to oh.
0: next week.